I wanted to replicate the gesture that my mum made for me when I was when I was eight by bringing home that that um, PC. And so, you know, one day out of the blue, she you know brought home a Sega SC3000, um, and this was in the 80s, uh, and computers were costing as much as cars, and um, nobody had them. Like you know. And so it was very abnormal for a, a you know a, a solo unemployed paraplegic mum of three boys Amazing. to go to the bank and take out a loan and bring home a computer, and um, she didn't know what it you know what it could do. And, and us kids, we had no idea. But you know we spent pretty much every day on that computer. Welcome to fourteen minutes of SaaS the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. This is episode four of a seven-part series with Vaughan Ferguson, sole founder and former CEO of Vend. He talks about getting his initial investments and urges founders to tell their story and pitch wherever they are. He talks about the influence of his mum in his life when she bought him and his siblings a computer. He explains the connection between that gift and the foundation of a nonprofit for kids called OMG Tech in New Zealand. And we find out more about this nonprofit which he co-founded with his partner Zoe Timbrell. We jumped on a Skype call and his name was Christoph and um, he asked me lots of questions about you know what we were doing around funding and our growth metrics, how many customers, and yada yada yada. And, and like you know, I was naive, Kiwi entrepreneur, and I'm like <laughs> you know, um, but you know, I just shared openly my journey and like our numbers of how things were going. And he was like, oh yeah yeah, this is all very good. Um, and uh, and he was like, well maybe we could catch up again in a in a couple of months. And um, and I was like, sure, yeah, why not? It's been a blast. And so yeah, we kind of did that off and on every other month, you know, a regular Skype call where Christoph would ask me all sorts of challenging questions about the growth of the business and, and how I was thinking about growth and whether we needed money and things like that. And, uh, and you know, so I gave him all that info. And, and then uh, at the end of one of the calls, and this was just after it um, raised our, our seed round from Sam and Ryan, Christoph asked me, he was like, well, you know, I'd be happy to invest in you if you're looking for an investor. And I was like, I gave him the worst answer. <laughs> I, was like, I said no, because <laughs> I just raised um, a, a bit of capital from from Sam and Ron. Sure, yeah. And so I said, oh, sorry, I'm just I've just raised some money, so we're not looking for, for capital. And he was like, no, that's fine. It's like, and so we just kept talking and talking and talking. And then about a year later, uh, at the end of our regular Skype call, I said to Christoph, you know what? It's actually we're raising some more money now. You know, it's a bit more than you know, what I was looking for before. Um, would you be happy to invest? And he said, absolutely. And so, the, you know, that journey was like 18 months of telling the story. You know, he was frantically taking notes, building building up a profile, you know, had our trajectory, you know, had a, a couple of key data points about the business. And so when it came time to need some money, it was an easy sell. Like he'd, he'd already been on the journey for 18 months and just be, had been waiting for that opportunity. Um, and so Christoph, you know, for your listeners, it was Christoph Jantz who was the, um, the early stage investor in Zendesk, and he's, he's invest, he is the master of SaaS investments. Like uh, since then, he's grown out to point nine. His portfolios, point uh, uh, nine cap is the fund, um, and uh, and I like to think they they the best. They they know how to pick the best of the best of SaaS companies, obviously because they invested in Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, they have a great reputation. They do. Up. They yeah. do. They they do have a great reputation. Um, but 
way back in the beginning, it was just Christoph, a random German guy on a Skype call. I had no idea, had no Amazing. idea. Amazing. Um, the future's all about the kids. Uh, you've said that, and of course it's true. Um, tell us a little bit about, so should I say OMG Tech? OMG Tech, yeah. 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 Tell us a bit about uh, this amazing sounding uh, uh, social enterprise that connects kids and educators with future tech. Yeah, so that, that was the simple idea. Um, how do we get kids playing with technology? And the, the idea came, a couple of reasons why um, I founded OMG Tech with, with, with Zoe, my, my partner. Um, one was because I wanted to increase the, the depth of the talent pool and back home, like in, in the tech industry. You know, the, you know, as it's probably the same everywhere. It's you know, it's a bunch of white guys doing shit with computers, and and I was like, well, where are all the girls? Like, why why we're, why you know why aren't we hiring girls at the end into engineering? So, you know, where are they? Um, and so that's where the part of the idea came from. But the other part was I wanted to replicate the gesture that my mum made for me when I was when I was eight by bringing home that, that um, PC. And so, you know, one day out of the blue, she you know, brought home a Sega SD3000. Um, and this was in the 80s. Right? And computers were cost as much as cars. And um, nobody had them, like, you know. And so it was very abnormal for a, a, you know, a, a solo unemployed paraplegic mum of three boys Amazing. to go to the bank and take out a loan and bring home a computer. And um, she didn't know what it, you know what I could do and, and us kids we had no idea but you know we spent pretty much every day on that computer just you know coding things and, and playing games and just figuring out what it could do and that, that SC3000 was then replaced by a you know, Commodore 64 and then it was PCs and we had three PCs and you know and, and it just kept going um, and so you know I was tried to think well what's the equivalent like Everybody has a smartphone. Kids have, you know, phones and have access to computers. So it's not like it's not like giving kids computers because they've already they're surrounded by them. And so then we thought, well, you know, it's actually the the PC in the 80s. What the equivalent of that today is probably the the 3D printers or the drones or the you know the robots. It's the VR. It's the AR. It's you know all of the emerging tech that we haven't really quite figured out what it's going to do yet. And it's that that we want to get in the hands of, of eight-year-olds because when they, you know, in another 10 years time, that's the tech that's going to be mature and they're going to be using in day-to-day -day life. Um, so the idea was simple. It was like, pick the future technologies that are probably going to become mainstream and put them in the hands of, of uh, you know, eight to 12 year olds and then just see what happens. And so we, we did that. And, uh, and what happens? Kids just love playing with technology. And, you know, it can be, because kids don't know, like to us it can be, seem like crazy future technology like you know VR or you know 3D 3D printing or or robots but to kids they just it's just technology and they they just sort of like oh, all right cool I'm going to figure out how to how to how to do this and you know how do I program a robot or you know how do I design in 3D or how how do I build a game um, and to them it's just fun right uh, and and they're learning as they go um, and so that's where we started and we you know we ran events all around New Zealand, we put you know, thousands and thousands of kids uh, through the events. But then we realised um, that was actually the easy bit, like getting kids to fall in love with technology is actually the easy bit. The hard bit is creating the pathway for an eight-year-old so that they can follow it through for the next 10 years of their life to come out the other end and you know, be somebody who ha has used technology and, and uh, 
understands technology enough that they can shape their world around them to use the technology. Um, getting them excited about a robot on a weekend is great, but then you know they go home and they, they don't have a robot at home, so you know they, they can't really follow that one through. And so that's what we've been working on over the last couple of years, is like how do we uh, you know, inspire the kids but then create that pathway? And the answer seems actually pretty obvious when you think about it. It's like the, the, the people who help create those pathways are the teachers, the teachers in, in, in school. And how do we empower them to not be afraid of technology? So uh, you know, a 50-something-year-old teacher can teach a, a, a class full of 10-year-olds robots and not feel intimidated by that. And so that's what we've been focusing on in the last couple of years is how do we develop the content and, and provide the support networks for teachers that they can learn technology and feel confident to stand in front of a classroom and, and teach the kids. It's great. Because the, the technology is just tools, right? Yeah. Um, it's, the, it's the confidence and the creativity that you apply to it that, you know, where, where the magic happens. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, in the future, VR is just going to be a tool. Um, and, there, you know, there's great initiatives in the world at the moment in trying to solve you know, STEM-related problems. Uh, Coder Dojo, which was originated out of Ireland, is, is global. I'm sure you're familiar with yeah. it. it. Teaches kids how to, how to code. The ability to adapt fast, to understand how the world changes, and the part that tech is playing in that change, and the ability to generate ideas, innovate effectively, be in control of your own life somehow, uh, to have the confidence to, to write your own story. You know, is part of what OMG Tech is looking at, is it, are you looking to, to address that, uh, that, that paradigm? Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say the technology is just a tool. Well, we're actually teaching kids, we're not teaching kids how to, you know, write Python, even though we are, you know, um, or how to program a robot, even though we are. We're teaching them how to think, you know, be critical thinkers and how to think um, programmatically and how to work it as a team, um, how to be creative, how to fail, like how to learn from failure. It's those skills that are actually the most important things because the technology will change. In 10 years time, there'll be something new, right? Some Absolutely. new skill, new tool that they'll need to, to use, but they'll be armed with this amazing muscle of, you know, of the, the creativity and the entrepreneurialism and the creative thought. Um, and that's going to be the, it's actually going to be the skill set that's going to become in high demand when the robot overlords and AI come and, and make us all redundant, because you know, you know, automation is going to replace anything that requires uh, manual labor or repetitive tasks or anything with precision. Um, sure, robots are going to do it. Um, and then in the sort of more sort of the white collar areas, you know, anything that's just like you know, looking for patterns, analyzing data, AI is going to do that. Right, so. You know, there's a there's a big gap there, right? It's like there's a truck ton of jobs that just aren't going to exist anymore, or we're going to delegate away to technology to do. Um, but the skills that are going to be that are that are hard, or that we won't delegate away to technology, are the, the more human skills. It's the philosophy. It's the it's it's the the creative side of things. It's the ability to take a, a vague idea and turn it into a reality, right? Um, so parts of that, part, parts of that journey of taking an idea and turning it into a product or turning it into a service, you'll use technology to do, but you still need to have um, that skill set to be able to deal with the vagueness, like you know, the ambiguity, and to, find, to fine tune it down and to actually turn it into something really tangible. And that's, that's kind of my hope for the kids that we put through the OMG Tech programs is we're building a, 
a next generation of, of uh, skills that you know, in a future world where uh, creativity is, is valued more than uh, technical ability, you know, we're going to have this army of kids who are, who are just going to uh, turn up to work and be the people that the world desires the most when it comes to, um, comes to skills. You said that our Tamariki should dream of being our next rocket scientist and have the tools to get there. Um, I presume Tamariki is a Maori term. What, mm -hmm. what exactly is that? So that's, that's our, our kids. Um, okay. So, and that's a great example to dream to become rocket scientists because you know, New Zealand now has a space program. Like, um, you know, with Rocket Lab and, and New Zealand now launching rockets into space and doing it from New Zealand. And it's something that 10 years ago people would have thought would, would be impossible, crazy. Like, it will never happen. Um, and so that's quite an inspirational story. And it's quite funny, it's like, you know, we joke about how things aren't rocket science, but um, <laughs> a lot of things aren't. Right? Uh, even rocket science is not rocket science. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we want, we want our kids to, to not have that be a barrier for, for a second, thinking, well, I can't do that. Like, that's impossible. Why, why, you know, I'm a, a, a young married girl in New Zealand, you know, I could never launch a rocket into space. It's like, sure you why can. Why not? Yeah, yeah, why not? Um, uh, you know, to build that confidence. In the next instalment, episode five of a seven part series, Vaughan discusses how New Zealand has evolved away from tall poppy syndrome into a world-class innovator with a growing sense of confidence. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SAS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Ketsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating. Thank you.